hears a soothing voice say, nice tie. Looking around, he noticed that the bar was empty except for himself and the bartender. A few steps later, the voice said, beautiful shirt. At this, the man called the bartender over. Hey, I must be losing my mind, he told the bartender. I keep hearing these voices say nice things, and there's not a soul in here but us. It's the peanuts, answered the bartender. They're complimentary. <laughs> All right. I like this kid. <laughs> oh, come on. All right. <laughs> My wife's always saying, I'll get you some better jokes next week. Okay, but there you go. Kingdom culture. How many of you, uh, in your, when you were handed a bulletin today, did you get a little card that says kingdom culture? Some of you got those. Looks like this. I want you to make a point this morning of getting one of these into your hands before you leave today. We feel so strongly that in these next few weeks that God is going to do some amazing things in the area of these core values, right? The, the subtitle under this is What Heaven on Earth Looks Like. Because we talk about, you know, heaven on earth and all this stuff, but what does it actually look like? And how is it supposed to not only affect us, but the people around us? And so we're going to be looking at a different core value, one after another, for 13 of these things, 13 core values. And as Kathy mentioned in the announcements, it's a it's a whole family thing. It's a whole community of epicenter church thing. And one of the reasons we're doing that is because we want to not just have you sit and listen to the pearls of wisdom that fall from my lips. You're supposed to laugh right there. You're not supposed to just listen to the preacher, man. But these core values are supposed to not just go in our ears but get into our heart, right? Like, there's something about a core value in each of us. We have them. So one of the things we want to do as a church is, I was talking to Paula before the service today, and she mentioned this idea of just everybody on the same page. We've got some people that have been here a long time. We've got some people that have been here a little while. And then we've got some people this morning and listening to us online that are, that are new to Epicenter Church. And this is kind of a fresh new thing. I want us to get us all on the same page, and I want to encourage everybody to get this book, the Kingdom Culture book. We uh, ordered a bunch and sold out right away, so we ordered some more. Uh, we'll have them here in the next couple of days if you want to swing by the church and get them sometime this week, if you like the, the paper copy. Uh, if, you are, if you like the digital, like she mentioned, you can get them on Amazon with Kindle for $10, 9 dollars The books are 15 You can pick those up. Uh, this sometime this week. And we'll just keep ordering them until, you know, everybody's done buying them. But we want to have them in everybody's hand because we want this to be not just corporate, in other words, not just when we're together, but personal. And one of the things that you'll, you'll find if you've looked at the book at all or as you get the book, it's just filled with scriptures and, I mean, verse after verse and passages and truth. And uh, it, it defines the core value on the first page of the, of the thing. And then it goes on to tell you not only what it is, but what it isn't. You know, sometimes the definition of something is, is as important what it's not as what it is. So what are we actually talking about, amen? And so I want to encourage you to do that. Because the core is the, the most important thing. We all have core values, things that we cherish, things that are, are so vital to us right? But when we talk about culture, 
The culture is actually the fruition of the core values. In other words, what are we creating here as a church and as a, as a, as a body of believers? What is it that we're actually creating? Have you ever walked into uh, a place, maybe a restaurant or, a, or a, you know, a church, maybe some, a social gathering of some kind, and you walk in the door, and the minute you walk in the door, something happens in your spirit. Let's go negative first. We'll take this. Ever walked into a place and you just go, ugh, what is that? You know, maybe somebody ate too much garlic. You know, that could be it. But, but, uh, but most of the time, it's your spirit because we are spirit beings, right? So we walk into a situation and it feels weird. It's probably because it is weird, right? If I have Christ in me, how many of you know Holy Spirit in me is sensitive to the surroundings around me, right? And so culture. But on the other side, have you ever walked into a, a home? Let's say you walk into somebody's home, and you walk in the door, and you're like, I could hang out here a long time. And you just want to hug somebody, or maybe you walk into a home, and you just start crying. You ever had this experience? You just walk in somebody or being around, and you just start crying. That's, that's actually culture. That's the atmosphere that someone has actually created. When you're in a place and there's conflict, and there's a lot of conflict, and there's maybe rebellion, or maybe there's resistance to authority, how do you know you can feel that? I mentioned before, and uh, also our church in Minnesota, and we'd have people that would come in the door, and they would literally stop. And they'd kind of give you this look. They'd look around. And a lot of these were Catholic people coming out of a very religious, kind of superficial kind of Catholicism. And they would walk into our door, and they, and they would look at me, and they would say, what is that? Of course, we got used to the question because we heard this a lot, and we'd kind of smile and say, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> we wanted to hear their response. And you know, inevitably, they would do this. They'd go, that. And they'd kind of start pointing around, and they'd go, that. That. I'm like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> that, they couldn't even describe it. But it was like they walked into a wall of God's love and his supernatural power, right? How many of you would really say <laughs> that one of the things you would love to see is people walk in our door and almost fall down? Amen. You know what I'm saying? Walk in our door and come in by this door and especially hit the sanctuary and we got coffee and donuts and people talking. How many of you want to have a church where people walk in and go, I don't know you, but can we just talk for a while? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, can I just be a part of your group? I need a hug. <laughs> you know, like, not everybody's going to say that. I get it. But because we did the whole personality assessment thing yesterday, so we know. But that atmosphere of supernatural love and supernatural power to create a culture where people actually begin to sense and know what heaven on earth actually feels like. <laughs> Many of you that have been around church a while. Well, first of all, let me give you this. Uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines culture as this. Culture is the set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize an institution or organization. 
Some of you work in business places and different atmospheres where, <laughs> well, let me ask you the question. Have you ever been in a place, a job or a church or some other thing, where not everybody's on the same page? I was talking to Trito before church today and her job and the team and all this kind of stuff. I'm sure there are times at Abvi and Abbott where you guys are like, okay, Somebody's set of core values and their ideas of how things should go is over here and then there's another one here and then there's some more over here. And it's literally impossible to, to have a setting like that to move forward when everybody else is kind of doing their thing, right? But that power of when everybody starts to come together and you begin to share the same values and the same core and, and all that stuff and you begin to go, wow, it's like, you know, we don't do a lot of horses nowadays, but you could, you've watched movies where you had like the, the stagecoach and it has like six or eight horses all out in front, right? To getting all of those powerful horses all lined up going in the same direction, boom, that thing goes off, right? And the idea is that if we get our, our culture and our values on the same page, there's no limit to what can be accomplished in the kingdom, amen? So that's what culture is. And then... In Matthew 6.10, of course, many of you know the, the passage where Jesus, Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. He prays, and then they ask him, well, can you teach us how to pray? And he says, yeah. So Matthew 6, verse 9, he starts off with, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be their name. And then what? Verse 10. Can we read it out loud together today? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, mind you, <laughs> Jesus never wasted any words. Like, he is not saying this as some kind of side theological touching. This is the passage on how do we pray in the New Testament. I mean, this is it. This is like the big one right here. And out of it, he says, Father, you know, praise to you, first of all. The first thing then he says is, we want to get heaven to earth. See, most of the church is worried about earth getting to heaven, you know. Most churches are like, are you saved, you know. Have you said the prayer, <laughs> you know. Have you, are you living right? Are you living by all the, the rules and, you know, all the guidelines and stuff. And if we can, you know, finally get you, you know, kind of together and get your stuff together, then, you know, hopefully when you die, boom, you get to go to heaven, right? Now, that's fine. We want people in heaven, don't we? But is that what that verse says? It's not saying getting people from earth to heaven. It says getting heaven to earth. How many of you know that's a completely different paradigm? It's a completely different way of thinking about life. I am firmly convinced. I was raised that there is this thing that's coming called the rapture. I was raised, and many of you were, and many of you know the, the left behind stuff and all that, you know. Like, I lived my whole life in fear that if I ever was in a house, I came home from school, and everybody was gone, and I didn't think they should be, <gasps> did I miss the rapture? Like, you know, like I was 10, and I thought I had committed all these awful sins, and I missed it, you know. And I just lived in perpetual fear that somehow I had missed it. And then the second thing was, I kept living my life on any moment, getting snatched away. You know, like, boom, I'm going to jump one day and I won't land. I'll just keep going up, right? 
the problem with living like that is that you end up living your life in such a way that you're more concerned about going to heaven than you are with bringing heaven. And I ended up living a good portion of my life, you know, I could be checking out of here at any moment, so why should I put money into the kingdom? Why should I put my time into this thing, church, or this thing on earth, if at any moment I'm going to be going anyway? See, that theology of the rapture, do you realize it's, 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 it's a little over 100 years old? It's a new theology. The, the, the theology of the rapture of the church is literally just a little over 100 years old. Okay. Maybe it would be as well to go back to Scripture and even in the New Testament church and the people that lived for those centuries and say, what did they believe, right? So if you want some books on this, I can give you some. But here's my thing. I don't believe in the rapture anymore. We are on Facebook, right? I just got a bunch of dislikes right there, I think, on, on that one. I don't believe in the rapture for several reasons. I don't think it lines up with Scripture. And the verses we use to do with rapture actually are twisted and distorted to create a man's theology that we try to make the church live under. That is completely false. If you want more information, I got a couple of books that will literally blow your mind. Not because it's some weird new theology. It's actually going back and taking the theology that's in Scripture and saying, well, I think we should go back here and live this, you know. So all that to say... The idea of much of the church of Jesus Christ is let's get people from heaven, I'm sorry, from earth to heaven. If at any moment they could go and we had a really good word, say the prayer, say the prayer, say these words, you know. How do you know God isn't as concerned with the specific words you say as he is with your heart? He actually wants you. He doesn't just want your words. He actually wants you and I. He wants us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then what did Jesus do for the next three and a half years? He created culture in the people that were around him, didn't he? I mean, seriously, he says, listen, heaven coming to earth is the, is the deal. So here's what it looks like. And he would walk around and he would teach truth. He, he came up against the religious spirit of the day often. And then what? He just walked around healing people. Everywhere he is. And some of the times in Scripture it says, and everyone that was there got healed, right? So if we're going to set the bar somewhere, let's set the bar there. If we're going to see what heaven looks like, that's what it looks like. We set the captives free. We break chains. We help people move from lies to truth. We help people go from bondage and sickness to life. Amen? What did Jesus say? He said, listen, I have not, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. I come to give you life. And that is the kingdom. And here's the thing. Jesus created culture through his words and his actions. And how many of you know this? Jesus picked what we call sometimes the 12 knuckleheads, right? He picked these guys, fishermen, uneducated. He picked, you know, tax collectors and, and betrayers and zealots and all these different kinds of guys, greedy money people, you know, Judas, right? He picked all these guys from all this sort of thing. Do you think when he picked them, they had the culture? They didn't have any idea 
(laughs) Well, they had culture, but it was religious culture, and it was man's culture. So Jesus calls these guys, just listen, hang out with me for three and a half years. I'm going to give you something completely new. This is not going to be like anything you've ever done before. Instead of fishing for fish, (laughs) you're going to fish for men, (laughs) right? It's pretty exciting because Jesus showed us what heaven on earth looks like. And I think (laughs) it would behoove us to fall in line with what Jesus did, what the Word says, and then to be a part of walking that out. The other thing he showed us was that (laughs) Jesus could have just shown up virgin birth, you know, grew up with Mary and Joseph, and then started his ministry. And he could have just walked all around and just done his things. But he purposely did it in the context of a bunch of people working together. Now that should show us something right there, right? He picked the 12 knuckleheads, and then he had a whole bunch of other people around him that were following him. And it literally says many times in scriptures that like his people would just follow him everywhere he went. So much so that even by the end, he says, 500 of you should go to the upper room and hang out. You know, 380 of them decided not to, but 120 did. (laughs) You know, not just the disciples, but a whole bunch of other people. So Jesus spent his whole time on earth creating culture. And I believe that he's still in the same business today. And he wants to do something individual in each and every one of us, but the individual part of the corporate, part of the whole. Let's go back to the idea that when people walk through the door, they experience something. Like, okay, let's take patience, for instance. She's beautiful. Yeah, she is. She's all that in a bag of chips, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's, she's beautiful on the outside. But how many of you know we really love her because of what? She's beautiful on the inside, right? She has something. And when you talk to patience, her core values come out. But let's take, for instance, you've got, let's say you have a couple of friends, one on either side. And this isn't, I'm not speaking ill of anybody. But let's just say you've got the culture. You've got Jesus in you. But you've got two people on either side of you. Let's say three or four. And these are grumpy Christians. You know what I'm saying? Let's say you've got a couple of friends over here, and they're like, Jesus loves you. Now go put a dress on or whatever, you know. Like, go dress up. Stop wearing tennis shoes in church. It's disrespectful. You know. Anybody ever bumped into a grumpy Christian? What's your first response? Thanks. I think I'm out of here. You know, you start backing up, right? I'm, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. But what you end up doing is you back away from that and you end up starting gravitating towards people like patients. Why? Because that's how we're wired. That's what we really want on the inside. God wants to do this heart connection thing with us. So now we say, you know... <laughs> Most of you that are here, this is not new for you, what I'm talking about. Like, you're here because you want the supernatural, right? You're here because you want prophetic words and the, and the power of all that stuff, right? You're not here because you want to play religion. You're here because you're saying, you know what? Religion sucks. It's horrible. I don't want to do that, right? I want to be a part of something amazing. And I want what I read in Scripture to actually be what my life is. And I want my church to reflect that. So when we talk about culture, folks, that is what we're talking about and how exciting for us to be a part of not only growing ourselves, but to say, you know what, let's do this together. (laughs) I know, 
you know, the Bible doesn't give us a lot in some, I wish we had more, but I just imagine like most of what we read with the disciples and Jesus hanging out is them in the daytime, right? They were on the Mount of Olives or the Transfiguration or, you know, these different events, you know, almost all daytime. But what, would it, what was it like for them in the evening, you know? Like what was, what was mealtime like with Peter? <laughs> Some of you that were there at the training yesterday, pretty sure he was an extrovert, you know what I'm saying? Like he was an E, right? But maybe John, he kind of seems more like an I, doesn't he, right? And I can just imagine these 12 guys and they're just... Some of them smell like fish. Some of them smell like money. Some of them smell like all this different stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yet Jesus is there just hanging out with them. Three and a half years of evening suppers. Three and a half years of them hanging out day after day after day. And Jesus just imparting his culture into them, changing them, transforming them from fishers of fish to fishers of men, right? And so... <laughs> One of the things that is so valuable with this is that kingdom culture. And we can't do culture by ourselves. You can only do culture in the context of a bunch of people. Hmm. All right. That was my introduction. <laughs> let me just give you one more thing. Obviously, we're not going to get to all this today, but let me just give you one of the quotes in the book on page two right off the bat. It says this. A healthy kingdom culture enables people to live in peace, meaning, and prosperity, rightly connected to God and to one another. I just feel like God would have me say to you today that if we can just learn how to do that together, then anybody that walks through that door or anybody that we talk to at work or somewhere else and we say, hey, you know, I want to invite you into this. They walk into a cloud of love. They walk into a cloud of, of the supernatural and, you know, of, of, uh, of prophetic words that God wants to speak to them. Like, they walk into culture. And I will say, because this is us and we're here right now, culture is on us. It is. Culture is on us. We are the ones that get to decide what kind of culture we want. Do you want kingdom culture? Do you want this thing to be not just about a you know, few of us on a Sunday morning, but to impact our world and Gurnee and the region beyond? See, I think that God isn't messing around. He actually wants this for us. So, why don't you stand to your feet this morning? We're going to close. <laughs> my, uh, my wife is always telling me, don't use your notes, just talk. And I did today. That was, that was it. <laughs> I had like three, three lines of notes. And, uh, and, I, and I felt like God was having us stay on culture today. Because culture is the most important thing. Is it lined up with the kingdom? And, and am I a part of that? So take the hand of the person next to you, if you would, or if you've got to reach back a row, go ahead and do that. And uh, just go ahead and grab a hand. That's right. Good. Hallelujah. These are 
your people. I heard a sermon by, uh, I'm not, <laughs> don't you hate it when the preacher asks you to hold hands and then he keeps talking about stuff? Let go of hands just for a second. <laughs> and then in about a minute, I'm going to have you hold them again. All right, you good? <laughs> I've been in services where the guy says, take your hand to the person next to you. Then he goes on for like 10 minutes. I'm like, getting sweaty here. <laughs> and I'm like, then you're all awkward and you're like, is that my sweat or their sweat? Or what are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> all right. Then you have to do this deal. <laughs> you know, like, then hold back. And then if it's a girl or the guy, oh, does she like me? Does he like me? Okay, forget it. We're not going to do any of that. Okay. We're not going to get weird. We're not going to get weird. Okay. I was listening to a sermon by Chris Valentin the other day. Uh, it's actually on Facebook. If you want to go to our Epicenter page, it is so good. And it, it is a lot along the lines of what we're talking about. But he was talking about how people sometimes, a lot of people, I'll take it back. Everybody wants to know, what is my purpose? What, is my, what am I supposed to do with my life? You know, especially if you're younger. Like, like I, <laughs> I actually have my daughter. She's 15, and she was, <laughs> you're, you're going to die. She actually asked me about putting money away for retirement. No, no, don't cheer that. That is horrible. You want to know Why? Because you don't need to worry about that for 50 years from now. What you really want to do is say, God, what do you have for me right now? Let's live in the moment, right? Let's live in the power and the stuff he has for me. Like, okay, the kingdom at Warren, you know what I'm saying? The kingdom with my friends, the kingdom. Like, that's what I think God has for us. But here's the thing. He said, people want to know their purpose and their thing. And it, it's awesome. But here's, the way, here's what the words he said. He said, Find your people, find your purpose. Find your people, find your purpose. Stop worrying about what's my purpose. Because then you'll end up going off and doing something. But really, if you look at Scripture, it's all in context of community. From cover to cover, Adam was a lonely fella. And God said, let's see, y'all need some companionship. And I'm going to make her naked. It's going to be awesome. And you guys will just be together. It'll be so fun, right? Because what? It is not good for a man to be alone, right? It's not good for a woman to be alone, right? There's this community connection thing that God has. My wife's laughing at me because I said naked. All right, I'm going to keep moving. But, and then you go, what? He says the tribes and the people of Israel. Like God called Abraham, but he said, look, this this." This tribe, this clans, and then the 12 tribes, and, and then he gets to the New Testament. you got the disciples, and then what? You've got the church, right? And uh, the whole thing is in the context. Even the angels aren't alone, right? They're just all together before the throne, the Bible says. So how stupid of us to think that we can figure out our life plans apart from, apart from a group of people. Find your people. Find your purpose. Now you can grab the hand of the person next to you. <laughs> Hopefully you wiped them off enough. We're good. Okay. So, Lord, I just bless your people today. I bless us, God. Lord, in this context of culture and creating a, a kingdom culture, a heaven culture on this earth. Father, we're not called to be lone rangers or lone stars off by ourselves. God, you have called us to this group of people. You have called us to be one together. Oh, God, let it be so, like on the day of Pentecost when your power came, they were all in one accord. 
They were in one room. They were purposely seeking you together for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And I ask, oh God, that you would plant in each and every one of us that hunger and that desire to be a part of something, that we will find our destiny when we find our people that you've called us to. And I pray that in Jesus' name. All God's people said? Amen. All right, now you can wipe your hands off. Amen. Good. <laughs> Bless you. Don't forget, Monday women, Tuesday men, Wednesday prayer. Let's do it together. Amen.